Welcome to Radical Simple Living Podcast, episode 20. Hands up if you've listened to all episodes so far. Well, that's impressive. Congratulations to you all. Many of you will have listened to the odd podcast before this, and some of you, this will be the first one you've listened to. Whichever of those groups you fall into, thank you very much for listening. Do what you can to spread the word, please. So if you think other people will be interested in this podcast, please post about it on social media. Um, I need to get the word out. I need to spread these ideas. That's why I'm doing it. And you can help. So please do your best there. And above all, subscribe, like and comment. Now, as it's episode 20, I'm going to come up with 10 things, (laughs) not 20, 10 things that I think are essential for a radical, simple life. Some of them I've discussed before, but a bit of recapping isn't a problem, and some of them are new issues. Now, they're not in any particular order, and I haven't spent weeks planning this. I jotted them down this morning when I thought I should do a podcast about this. So here they are. 10 things to help you live a simpler life. Number one. Reduction of complexity. Now, obviously, complexity is the opposite of simplicity. And therefore, if your life is more complicated than it need be, you are not living a simple life. You cannot have simplicity in one part of your life and complexity in another. Now, where does that complexity come from? Perhaps it's because you're doing something that you don't actually believe in. Perhaps you have a relationship issue in your life, which should be simple and is complicated. Perhaps you are doing something in your life which you can't really justify, but you're doing it anyway. All of those things are making your life more complicated and you will feel a whole lot better when you sort them out. You will feel a whole lot better when you can wake up in the morning and you can know the person you are and you can know that you've extricated yourself from some of those situations you're not happy with. So reducing complexity doesn't just mean growing food, it doesn't just mean cooking from scratch, it doesn't just mean having a a nice home full of wooden furniture and free of plastics. It means living a life that you know who you are and other people know who you are too. That's what simplicity means for you. Okay, that's a tough one and I can't help you with that. You've got to do it pretty much on your own, I think. The second item on this list has to do with the environment. To lead a simple life, you have to care for the environment, the whole environment, wherever it is. You will be aware that you can't have a nice tidy garden if in order to get it, you've had to get hold of all the things that you don't want and throw them over your neighbour's fence or fly tip them down the road or put them all in a bin for landfill when you know some of them could be recycled. You can't lead a simple life if you're polluting it unnecessarily, if you're allowing things to go into the environment which you know are harm. It may be easy for you to spray 
uh, an insecticide on your crops to give you uh, more crops and more leaves without holes in. Yeah, you can do that, but you're damaging the environment. You are killing pollinating insects. And by killing pollinating insects, you're reducing the amount of food available for humanity on the whole. So caring for the environment is an incredible responsibility for every man, woman and child on the planet. We all have to do it and it starts at home, but it doesn't stop at home. You know, when you were younger, you were told to tidy your room and you may have put stuff under the bed. You may have put things under your siblings' beds. You may have gone to any length to make your room look tidy, even though it's not. You can't do that as an adult with your life. You've got to take full environmental responsibility for being a person alive on the planet here in the 21st century. Without it, simple living is impossible for you. Item three. You may have political affiliations or political loyalties. You may be a member of a political party or you may believe strongly in what a political party does. You may have religious affiliations. You may be a very devout member of a religious community or you may be a member of no religion or no political party whatsoever. And what I'm saying is a bit controversial because a lot of people don't agree with me, but I'm going to say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all what your political affiliations are, what your religious affiliations are. None of them have any bearing in leading a simple life. You could be a libertarian pagan or you could be a conservative Catholic. You could be a radical Buddhist or you could be a reserved atheist. It doesn't make any difference. You can still adopt simple living. You can adopt radical simple living into your life. If you find yourself the member of a religious group or a member of a political party, which brings you into conflict with those things I mentioned in uh, the first point, if they make your life more complicated by supporting things that you cannot support, then you need to look at your religious affiliations and look at your political affiliations and see if there's some personal incongruency there that you need to resolve. But I'm not giving this message to members of any particular religion or any particular political persuasion. The message of simple living is for everyone. Over the last few years, the idea has been that the left has adopted environmental causes and the right hasn't to such a great extent. I think that's wrong. I think the environment is everybody's responsibility. I think simple living is something we all need to embrace. And I don't think our politics or our religion should get in the way of that in any way whatsoever. It might mean you don't agree with everybody that's doing the same thing as you are, but we've discussed that. That's not the important thing. Keep your eyes on the prize is the answer here. Now, I find as I get older, and I am getting older at that same rate as you, I suspect, every day I find myself 24 hours older, that after a while it's values that become the important thing. Political affiliations and religious affiliations are fine, 
but your core values are the things which hopefully you can marry up to those things. And if you find you can't, you may find yourself on your own. That doesn't matter. Values are important. Your values are important. Item four is how you sustain your living. Now, there may be people listening to this podcast who are 100% self-sufficient, who need no income whatsoever from any other source because everything they need, they produce themselves. I have never met anyone in that position, I have to say. I've never met anyone in social media. I have never come across anybody. I have come across people who, for a short period of time, are able to do that. But most of us are dependent on money in one way or another. Now, the more self-sufficient you are, the less dependent on money you may be. But all of us need money. And you possibly get your money either from working for a living or if you're incredibly lucky you've inherited a fortune or you may get benefits or you may have a pension that you work for and are now living on. Those things are fine but if you're earning your living please try and ask yourself if your way of earning a living is compatible with your core beliefs. If you don't believe in gambling don't get a job at a casino. If you don't believe in smoking, don't get a job with a tobacco company. Now this becomes incredibly complicated because those of uh, you who work for financial institutions may find that vast amounts of money from your financial institution are invested in things you don't agree with. You may be a pacifist and find that the bank you work for invests vast amounts of money in the arms trade. These are difficult things and they're not things that you can maybe solve right away. But when you're looking for a job, when you're seeking employment, if you're in a job and thinking about whether to change it or not, do try and look at your core values and look at reducing the complexity in your life and try and do something for a living which you can wake up every morning and look yourself in the mirror and think, yeah, I earn a living, but I'm doing good. I'm helping people. I'm doing something productive. I'm growing beetroot. I'm making t-shirts. I'm creating furniture. You don't have to be doing something quite as, as tangible as that, but in some way your job has to reflect your core values. And if it doesn't, then your life isn't simple. Your life is complicated. Go back and re-listen to item one on the list. Item five, <laughs> I keep getting worried that I'm missing out numbers or that I'm saying the same number twice. I've got a wonderful long-term memory, but my short-term memory is appalling. Tell me a number and I've already forgotten it. Anybody else out there like that? It makes life tricky. Um, this is one that everybody pays lip service to, but I want you to think about quite carefully. It is the four R's, reduce, reuse, repair, and recycle. Now, all of us think we are doing those things. I've just got to stop here to let a cat in. I'm back. You may think you're doing all these things, but they need to be looked at continuously. 
And not only in your home, if you are involved in a group outside your home, a religious or political group like the ones we were talking about earlier, if you're involved with a charity, if you're involved in a school or a college or anything at all in your life, particularly a workplace, you should be doing what you can to reduce, um, reuse, repair and recycle as much as possible. Now that may be talking to your employer about it. Here in, in Sweden, moving here from the UK, um, what, six years ago now, things were very different. Builders in Sweden, when they're demolishing something, sort it all into piles that can be used again. Bits of scrap wood go to produce heating for schools and hospitals. They even pull nails out of floorboards they've ripped up and collect all the nails for metal recycling. And if you take a pair of shoes to be repaired in Sweden, or a bicycle repaired, or you get a builder into your house to repair something that's already there, you get a point of payment tax rebate for doing that. Because the government has been, for many years, and I hope, despite change of government here, it carries on, the government is convinced that repairing things is something to be encouraged. Now, you can look at all aspects of your life and make sure you're doing this. And the best way you can ensure you're doing it, the time to think about the four R's, isn't when you're finished with something and you no longer need it, and you say, can this be recycled, repaired, or, or replaced, or what have you. The time to worry about these things are when you're buying something. If you go to the shop and you want to buy a new drinking bottle, let's say, or when you go out walking and you want to take some water with you, Try and get one that's made of a single, a single recyclable substance. Or if you screw the lid off, make sure the lid and the bottle can both be recycled. You can go around the shops, you can find dozens made out of different kinds of polymers and little bits of metal here and little bits of plastic there. And the end result is when you've finished using that, re that water bottle, you're left with a quandary about what to do with it. So when you buy things, buy simple. Buy natural materials when you can. Buy cotton, wool, linen, wood, paper, metal. All of these things can be recycled very easily. If you do need to buy plastic things, and all of us do, because plastic-free people are as rare as people that don't need to earn any money, we can all reduce the plastic in our homes. Few of us can eliminate it. If you do buy plastic, my advice is to buy things that are polythene. Plain polythene can be recycled more easily than almost any other plastic. So if you want to buy um, plastic to put in your freezer, use polythene, make sure the lid and the base are both made out of polythene, and then you can recycle them. So think about that at point of purchase and explore your life regularly to make sure you're doing those things. Right, the next one is a tricky one and I've spoken about it before and I will doubtless be returning to it. Um, you've got to separate your wants from your needs. Now, this might sound a bit austere to you when you say your wants are important. Your, your, your wants are only important if you've made them so in your life. Your needs are essential for everybody. So if you find yourself wanting something so much you feel you need to have it in your life, 
chances are you're talking about an addiction. Now, once upon a time, addiction was thought in terms of drugs, and then it was extended to alcohol, and then to gambling, and, and now we realise that we can be addicted to almost anything in our life, and the result of being addicted means that a simple want becomes a need. And it is up to you to see if you're addicted to things in your life and see what you can do about them. Going back to item one, being addicted to something will make your life more complicated. It doesn't matter what that addiction is. It's If it's a, a, addicted to driving fast, if you're addicted to sugar, if you're addicted to pornography, if you're addicted to a thousand and one other things, social media, if you're addicted to using your credit card, if you're addicted to something, it will stop you leaving a simple life. And the only way that you can get rid of an addiction in your life is by recognising it for what it is, first of all. Now, I want to say that a life that only has needs um, looked after is a pretty grim prospect because there's one other thing which a lot of people think of as just wants but I would like to argue on needs and that is for culture. It's for music, it's for literature, it's for art, it's for dance, it's for film, it's for almost any cultural input. Now, why do I regard these things as needs and not wants? Because we're humans. And because humans need art. Humans need culture. Humans need creativity. And humans need to use the creativity of others to give them pleasure. Now, I'm not saying you need to spend a lot of money on these things. Most of these things are available free. So, take advantage of them. Don't when you're eliminating wants, don't include cultural input into those wants. Include those with the needs. You need to be stimulated. You need to be creative. You need to support others who are creative. So please be aware of that. And you can't get addicted to... Well, I think you can. <laughs> I was saying you can't get addicted to uh, the arts, but I know otherwise but try and incorporate culture into your life as much as you can. Otherwise, your life may be simple, but it will also be miserable. Item seven, be a good neighbor, be kind. Uh, seek the trust of others and be the kind of person that other people can trust. Now, being a good neighbor is one of these things that uh, is, is a difficult one for many people, not because they don't want to be, but because they find neighbours are fairly difficult. And by neighbours, we don't mean next door neighbours. We mean people in your community, people in your workplace, people at the schools you attend, people that you have to get on with. They may be a bad neighbour, but that doesn't stop you being a good neighbour. That doesn't mean that you can't be kind and considerate and polite to them at all times. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to get into bed with them, not literally or metaphorically. It doesn't mean that you have to be wildly social with your neighbour. It doesn't mean you have to have them always in your house and you have to be in your their house. You may want that 
and both of you may want that and that's fine. But that, it's just a matter of being nice and polite and helpful. And if they ask you for help, to be there for them. And in the hope that if you need help, they will be there for you. My prediction is that as life gets more difficult economically, resource-wise, um, environmentally and politically, our neighbours will be of even more important to us than they have been at any time since the Middle Ages. You look at the war zones in the world at the moment and see how good neighbourliness is more important than it ever has been. And you have to be a good neighbour all the time, even if that's difficult. Okay, even if that's difficult. Um, I have wonderful neighbours here in, in small land, but I've lived in some places in the past where my neighbours have been nightmares and it has been difficult. But you have to get on with them in one way or another. That's important. Okay, item number eight. And this again is a bit controversial and I, I, I've had people um, challenge me on this in the past. I wonder if anyone will challenge me on it today. Here it is. Item eight, your health, your well-being, your education are primarily your responsibility. Now note the word primarily there. It means that the first person to look after your health is you. Obviously, if you have young children, you will be looking after their health until they're old enough to do it themselves. And that means giving them the right things to eat, making sure they're getting the right exercise, making sure they're getting enough sleep. But you have to do that yourself. You have to make sure that you're getting the right food, you're getting the right exercise, you're getting the right sleep. Now, sometimes we need to employ professional help here, but maybe not as much as we think. You know, we if we develop a serious medical condition, yes, we do need to seek help with that. But most of the time, for minor aches and pains and sprains and coughs and colds, we can look after it ourselves and we can look after our family for ourselves. And if you suffer from a medical disorder that is brought around by your use of alcohol or your addiction to sugar or your lack of exercise, or any of those things, or your, your, your lack of sleep because you're up late at night uh, on the internet and doing something, that's your responsibility to do something about it. You can't live a simple life if you're going to ignore uh, looking after your own body. It's impossible. And I include um, education in that and well-being because these things are too your responsibility. Your education, skill development, um, learning about the world, learning about other people, learning how to do things, broadening your horizons, developing interests in things, all of that is primarily your responsibility. We all went to school with people who never read a book unless the teacher told them they had to. You, but you, you remember those people at school or at college? You may have gone to college having read lots and lots of books, and somebody else only read a book if they were told to. I was a teacher for many years and I, went, I know there were children that I taught that only knew things if somebody taught it to them. They didn't have any autodidactic um, tendencies to go out and find out things for themselves. Don't be one of those people 
Your education is important, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Some of the listeners to this program may well be in their 90s. You can still educate yourself, you know. And how do you make time for this? Well, remove some of the things that aren't so important. You know, I, I always maintain that if I'm reading a book and I understand every word of it and none of it is new to me, I should try and read something a little bit more challenging. You know, if I'm reading a book and I occasionally have to go to the dictionary to find out what a word means, or I sometimes have to look up on Wikipedia to find out a bit of history that I wasn't aware of, that's good. That means I'm expanding my brain a little bit in the process of reading. So you're responsible for your own health, and you're also responsible for your own education. And that last word, well-being. Well-being means your contentment with life. Look at simplifying those complexities. It's not going to maybe make you the happiest person in the world, but it might make you a happier person. It's not going to improve your contentedness, but it might do. It might not make you happy, but it might make you happier. So all of those things are your responsibility. Item number nine. I want to use the word wealth here. And uh, I'm reminded of John Ruskin. I haven't got the quote in front of me, but John Ruskin said that people appalled him when they used the word wealth to mean financial well-being. The word wealth actually means well-being. A wealthy person is a person that's living a happy, healthy life, not necessarily a rich person. And we all know that some rich people live totally miserable lives because they're so worried about staying rich all the time. So wealth means well-being. It did, that's what the old English word means. Wealth means well-being. Hence you get these words like commonwealth, a common well-being. Now, um, I would like to suggest that when you are doing things, you've got to be a producer. You've got to be a producer of, among other things, well-being, and if possible, a producer of other things. Food, furniture, clothing. Make sure you're producing something. Now, it could be that your job involves you in producing something. That might be producing... You, you might be a violin maker. If you're a violin maker, you're making violins... It's a, a hand, uh, a craft. It's still a handcraft. People still do these things by making the violins from scratch. I'm sorry, I couldn't think of the, quite, the right word there. That's always stumbling over it. Um, that's fine. You may be contributing to this idea of wealth, of well-being, by working in healthcare, or working in education, or working for a charity. You may be producing goods, or you may be producing wealth for yourself and others, but you've got to produce something. Now, sit down and do an audit of your life and see what things you are producing and what things you are consuming. And if the end of that sum means you're consuming more than you're producing, then you've got to look at this. Now, some people, at a certain time in their life, their main production is producing a happy home for their children to grow up in, looking after their children's needs and their education and their health. 
that is a wonderful thing to do. That is wealth producing because that is producing the well-being of a new generation and that is immensely important. And if anyone tells you it isn't, send them to talk to me about it. Some of us are involved in looking after and caring for the elderly and that too is a wonderful thing to do. But there are others of us that aren't involved in anything. We don't produce anything in our homes, we don't garden, we don't make clothing, we don't do woodwork, we don't produce anything in our work, we may be involved in doing something that we even we consider not to be the most useful thing on earth. Have a good look at your life, do that audit. If you're not producing anything in terms of goods, in terms of wealth, in terms of happiness for others, you need to restore that balance. If you're doing a very unproductive job, you need maybe to turn your spare time into something that is more productive. Now, it's not something that people often do, but if you analyse your own life and look at terms of production and consumption, I'm afraid in the world today, a lot of people are total consumers. They add nothing, they consume everything. I'm sure you're not, but maybe you could wobble those scales a little bit and come down more on the side of being productive and less on the side of consuming. You might be able to adjust that balance by consuming less. You might be able to address that balance by producing more. But if we all end up as consumers and none of us are producers, boy, have we got a problem. Not only as individuals, but as a planet. People who are producers, people who make useful things, people who help others, people who farm, people who build, are to be valued by all of us. Item 10. Now, you will realise by now that I'm doing a lot of talking. I'm not saying that one of these is more important than another, and it's basically in the, the list that I wrote them down at. So... This one, although it's at the end of the list, isn't less important than any of the others. And it will make you think a little bit. Do not be an abuser. Now, what does abuse mean? Abuse means you're using something in the wrong way. Now, some of us abuse our partners. We may not be beating up our partners, but we may be abusing them in the fact that we're not treating them properly. We may be abusing them in the case that we're ignoring some of the things that they need in favour of things that we need instead. Some of us may be abusing our children in that we're not thinking all the time about what's best for them, but we're thinking, do we need a quiet life? We may want to cook a nice meal for our children, but we know that if we give them you know, pizza and a bag of chips and, and put them in front of a movie, they're going to be quiet for longer. So abuse is one of those things that we've got to think about. And it, 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 it sounds a harsh word and most people say, I wouldn't abuse anybody. But you may be, if you think about it. You may be abusing the environment. You may be throwing stuff away in a cavalier manner, which doesn't think about those four R's. You may be abusing the environment in that you're using chemicals on the land that you have um, stewardship of in a bad way. 
that affects the wildlife. You may have uh, no thoughts about using sun spray on your plants, but the little pond that is outside the, the boundary of your garden, the amphibians in it are almost certainly going to suffer because we know amphibians are one of those groups that suffer most from toxic chemicals being in the environment. So if you're doing that, you're abusing the land. You are abusing the environment. And some of us abuse people that we don't even know by our attitudes. If we are racist, if we are sexist, if we are homophobic, if we are transphobic, if we are Islamophobic, we're introducing hatred into a system that doesn't need it. We are attacking other people and there are people that we need to attack, but they're not people who are just trying to live their lives who happen to be different from us. If you hold views which fit into those categories, explore them carefully and decide what you can do to make them better. Because abuse of other people, uh, we've all seen, haven't we, that how comments on the internet, comments on Twitter, comments on Facebook, comments on TikTok, can lead to a great deal of harm and suffering for others. Now this goes back to your core values. And if your core values embrace racism and sexism and homophobia and all the other things I mentioned, then maybe you need to re-explore your values. Because a simple life means reducing complexity and it is more simple to get on with people than it is to hate and despise people. It's not your planet. It's not your environment. It's not your world. It belongs to all of us. So let's remove those items of abuse from our personal relationships, from our relationship with the environment, and for our relationship with people we don't know who may be different from us. That sounds very preachy all that. I'm sorry, it's what I actually believe. Uh, thank you for joining me today. I hope to see you all again real soon. And please do what you can to push this podcast. Thank you very much. Hope to see you next time, which will be soon.